The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Paper. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a mom. Model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and they're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. to another episode of The Reality Is. It's me, Noor, as usual. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. So it's the Wednesday episode, and um, you're probably listening to this on Thursday because of the hour at which I'm recording this on Wednesday night. <sighs> I was supposed to record on Tuesday, and everyone knows what happened this week. Um and I don't even like know how to, I don't know how to talk about what's on my mind and then, <laughs> and then somehow transition to talking about rehearsals of Atlanta. It feels ridiculous. It feels stupid, but I have to tell myself that both things can hold true. I can grieve, um, at the state of the world and also, laugh because that's also important because that's a thing my brain is capable of and 
probably desperately needs right now. Um, and doing one or the other doesn't change what's happened. Um, but I'm just, I'm mad. I mean, I was, I've been rage tweeting, rage Instagramming. And, you know, the thing that I get the most frustrated about is the feeling that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we can do. And it almost sometimes feels like to me that they want us to feel helpless. If if it feels helpless, then then we're not going to try to change it, right? Like that's what it feels like, that if we just keep screaming into the ether that nobody's going to try to change what's going on because they know that it's pointless. They know that we feel like we're screaming to walls. And so, I mean, what do we do, right? What do we do? I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, and I've talked about my eight-year-old before. He had cancer when he was three. I've lived with my child getting cancer. I've lived with the possibility of losing my child very, very recently. And... It's crazy because on Tuesday when I heard and I was reading all of the things that were going on, it was a very similar feeling in my stomach of uh, of hopelessness, of feeling like um, a feeling like there has to be something. This must have been a mistake. There had this had to have been a mistake. Not third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders. Elementary school? No way. No way, no way, no way. They had to have been injured. And I remember feeling that feeling five years ago almost when they told me that my son had a brain tumor. It's this feeling of like, this can't be real. And and it's just... It's insane because having lived through that, this is still somehow much scarier. It's still much scarier for me to be afraid of a gunman coming in and shooting my child than him suffering through brain cancer and treatment and everything that that entailed as a three-year-old. That's fucked up. That's really fucked up. That that is a reality of the world. That my son beat brain cancer only to be sent to a school where I'm not sure how safe he really is. That's fucked up. And, okay, I I will say this. You know, I have to be real about my privilege. I'm very privileged to live in New Jersey in a very blue town with a very blue governor with a ton of resources. Our schools are, the town that I live in, are some of the best schools when it comes to diversity and mental health and services and everything. And, you know, there's a lot of talk two years ago with Black Lives Matter about funding schools and funding, like, local services and things like that. And I have to say my town is one of those towns. It's one of those towns that does that well. I mean, it's not perfect. We still have a ton of cops and but they seem to be doing their job. But, you know, the black and brown people still live with some level of fear here, obviously, with police, as most people do in this country. 
but to some degree, this is a town that is very has figured that out, right? As as I think, it's almost like a like a like a little perfect picture of what we imagine could schools and communities and things like that could look like. But it's still scary because I don't know who can walk in there. I don't know. I don't know if it's a good idea that the kindergarten classrooms are have an entire wall of windows. I don't know that. That's fucking terrifying. I know that there's that yes, they have a lot of security protocols, but I also know that anybody could walk up to those windows. And I know that there's a lot of parents that have those fears. And you just have to tell yourself like, no, 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 no. Not kindergartners, not elementary school. But this is the reality of the world we live in. This is the country we live in. So what do we do instead of scream? I guess, you know, again, I'm going to put links in my uh, episode description because that seems to be the thing, right? That seems to be the only thing that we all can do is you experience a tragedy, you're watching it unfold, and then you say, okay, let me try to raise money for it because God damn it if the fucking government does anything about it, right? If they do anything to change it. So I guess that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to gather my thoughts and uh, you know what? We're going to take a break. Let's take a break. I'm going to put some ads here. Okay. Feel free to skip through them if you need to, but let's take a breather. Let's take a break. Let's drink some water. Let's hydrate. Okay. And then after the break, we'll come back and we'll talk about Atlanta. Okay. We'll talk about Atlanta and Corny Todd's Corny Condo. Okay. Okay. We're back. All right. Okay, let's talk about rehearsals of Atlanta, okay? I have to say this season is just so good. The season is great because it feels fresh. It feels like everybody is engaged. I think that was a big issue for me with Atlanta the last few years, right? It felt like people were disengaged, if you will. It felt like you know, Portia was kind of checked out. Definitely felt like Nini was checked out for a couple of years. It, it Even the season that Kenya left, I remember, she was checked out. She was completely checked out. And so whenever you have a show where people are now checked out and they're not interested in filming anymore, I'm like, get them. Get, I don't I don't care. I don't care about you enough to like beg you to come back to the screen, you know? And what I really like about this season is that everybody looks like they want to play. And I really enjoy that. We start the episode, we meet at Marlo's, uh, not Marlo's home, but at a lot that is Marlo's next to a home that is stunning, Indicator, Georgia. And Kenya and Sheree come as well um, to look at some plans with Marlo's builder. And I just love, like, Kenya and Sheree's genuine care about Marlo's home plans. Like, I really enjoyed this whole scene. Kenya, like, talking about floor plans and understanding how homes are built and just, you know, all of it mixed in with Marlo's, like, little shade of, you know, these two, they've been through it and one of them's still building her house and all the flashbacks to... to the half-built homes and the kitchens without appliances. I mean, I just, I love it. I love the fact that this entire season is like 
entire season, but it's like, what, four episodes? It feels like there's a lot of callbacks to previous things, but those callbacks are are like low key shady, but it's like everybody's aware that they're gonna there's gonna be a callback, right? Like everyone's like, I know you guys are gonna do a flashback right now, so it's fine. Like they're ready to make fun of themselves. But anyway, it's really sweet. It's really great. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not against the idea of giant closets and small bedrooms. I'm fine with that because like bedrooms are just meant for sleeping. And closets are meant for fun. Like, I would love to go to my friend's house and just go and hang out in her closet. You know? I think that's a great idea. Um, Marlo says that she has to move out to Decatur instead of Buckhead because Sheree calls her a Buckhead girl. Asks her why she's out there. She says, because you guys keep saying I can't I can't afford that. I can't afford Buckhead. You know, this is where my income brings me. And then they have a little talk about... Marlo saying, you guys are always wondering where I get my money from and always talking about, oh, Marlo's got money. Where does she get her money from? I'm not talking about where I get my money from. It's too personal. And then, we, of course, we get a call back to Marlo two episodes ago talking about how much money she had. <laughs> I just love it. Um, the ladies talk about the upcoming trip to New York to see, Kenny, uh, to see Candy's play. And Kenya says she's not going to see Mark. And Sheree says she's going to try to get Tyrone out there because it's within 100 miles of the radius that he's allowed to travel. We then go to Candy and Todd going on a walk. Todd. I mean, if Eeyore was a person, it's Todd. What's his last name? Tucker? Is it Tucker? I don't know. I think it's Todd Tucker. Todd Burris. Todd Burris. Todd says that there's a lot going on and not enough su- support. Candy just <laughs> cackles in his face. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Candy tells Todd to bring the husbands to New York. So I guess the husbands are not coming on this trip so that everybody can see the show. And Todd says, yeah, let's swing by the Jersey crib. <laughs> Listen, I'm from New York. No, I'm from New Jersey. Why did I say I'm from New York? I lo- I was looking at the word New York on my notes. I'm from New Jersey, okay? <laughs> Do you know how difficult it is for me to get my family members who, like, visit New York to come out to Jersey? It's it's impossible because it's not convenient. It's convenient for me as somebody from New Jersey to go into New York. It's very convenient for me to travel back and forth. It's not a problem. It's 30 minutes from my house. It's not a big deal. But if I have family that's like staying in New York, do you know how hard it is to get them to come out to Jersey? Nobody wants to be going through bridges and tunnels. No way. And like if if somebody comes to visit me in Jersey, of course, we will go back and forth in the city. No problem. But nobody's interested in swinging by the Jersey crib. Nobody wants to swing by the Jersey crib. Okay. Candy's clearly not interested. And Todd goes into this whole thing about, like, let's make this our spot. Let's make it our spot where we go out, when we go to Jersey, when we go up to New York, we can hang out at at this apartment. No, I'm with Candy. No, she would rather stay at a hotel and she'd mess it up and not have to worry about anything and order room service and all of that. What is Todd doing? What are you trying to pinch pennies and save on, like, the hotel room service bill? Your wife is Candy Burris, okay? She wrote No Scrubs. 
okay? Like, she does not need to be staying in your corny little crib, your corny condo in New Jersey by the bridge, okay? And again, I say this with the utmost love for my state and the cities around the bridge, but nobody wants to go there. And I'm so confused about Todd's like whole thought process, but I'll get into that later. (sighs) Then, of course, we just, (laughs) the car wreck that keeps on wrecking. It's Ralph and Drew and they're having therapy. But before we have therapy, we do see Anthony, the assistant that's so-called on probation. He like catches himself being caught on camera and like scurries away into a room we also see like a number of assistants and there's like assistants, assistant one, two, three, so many assistants. Who had this many assistants? Who do we see recently on a TV show and they have this many assistants? It's too many that you don't need, Drew. They ask her, how does probation work? And Drew goes on and on and on about how Ralph works in tech and we run this house like a tech company. What? You run your house like a Fortune 500? What? excuse me, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Drew is the queen of, I asked you a question and you are not answering it, but instead giving me a whole bunch of bullshit. It's exactly how Ralph talks, actually. I'm sure she learned it from Ralph. Or maybe they're exactly the same. I don't know. Anyway, Dr. Ken comes and Ralph says some bullshit already going, and Drew's going to use this session to try to fix me. Sir, you are unfixable. Okay? We know that's not going to happen. But Drew does need to also know that that's not going to happen. Drew tells Dr. Ken about the dinner and how much she appreciated it and immediately go into Ralph saying that he didn't feel appreciated. He says this bullshit about, I tried to give her a steak and lobster, but really, truly, she deserved a Lunchable. Sometimes I do want a Lunchable. I'm not going to lie. Of course, I want the steak and lobster. But like, Ralph, you didn't need to like get her dressed up like like she was going to be skating on ice on Disney on ice in that outfit and then feeding her. (laughs) It was, was it steak and lobster or was it crab? Was, was the Rangoon where some of the lobster was? Is that where I didn't see any lobster anyway? It was in the rooftop of your friend's tailor shop or something. Anyway, they going, he's being a dick. Dr. Ken says he can see how Ralph would be hurt because he didn't, she didn't live in the moment. What? what are you talking about? Who is this man? Who is this man? And who called him? Why did he become a doctor? Dr. Ken. Then they go on and on about how they basically use Dr. Ken's words against each other. And Dr. Ken is like, you guys attack each other all the time. So instead, he suggests a therapeutic agreement to not have combative, com- combative conversation for 30 days and whoever blows it first it needs to be the other person's servant. Servant? Who the fuck are you? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Who suggests these things? Find a new therapist. First of all, this whole thing about like Drew should have appreciated it because she needs to live in the moment, that's insane. But like it's also like not what you tell somebody who's in a toxic relationship. Like if somebody's in a toxic relationship with their partner, the solution to that is not to be like, oh, your partner should 
worship, you know, give you gifts and then you should worship the ground they walk on and pretend like those issues don't exist. It's insane. It's insane. But of course, this would also be the man who suggests to make being the other person's servant a thing. He's it was so misogynistic. He was like, oh, if Todd, if if Todd, if Ralph wins, you know, he'll ask for sex or whatever. And then if if Drew wins, you could, you know, clean the dishes. What? I don't know if he said that. But the servant stuff really pissed me off. I hated it. Anyway, everyone's packing in New York, and we see Safari and Patrick, my babies from Candy and the Gang, come through in titty pasties and whips and leather with sexy gifts from Candy. And they are vibrating panties. Everybody gets them. And I'm with Kenya where, why not a bill? Why why not a playbill? And not pasties and ass cheeks and balls and mouths. How about, how about a playbill? Um, Marlo says Candy should change her name to Free Candy Burris. And then she says, that's her thing. Her her thing is sex. My thing is shopping. <laughs> I just I love Marlo. Everybody is just like, question mark? Okay, thank you. But like, did, do you think that Safari just like drove around town in that? First of all, her body is insane. Her body is insane. Whatever she's doing at that cool sculpting place she runs. 10 out of 10, no notes. But like <laughs> to just be like da 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 walking around like residential neighborhoods. Just like what time was it? Like were kids coming home from school? What was the what? Why was it during the day? Why not have her wear like I don't know. I mean, look, you know what? I was gonna say maybe have maybe have her wear like something over it, like a netting, something, but like would that really change anything? Her tits were out magnificent tits but her tits were up um anyway the next day uh everyone is riding a sprinter van and i wrote down that it was a private jet i thought it was a private jet i thought they were taking a sprinter van to a private jet but it was just they just flew regular old commercial (laughs) all that for commercial flight okay anyway We find out that this is a couple's trip and Kenya is salty about it. But of course, we get a flashback of Kenya actually being told. So no Kenya. Marla rolls up with the man carrying an umbrella behind her. And I just want to say that if I ever find myself single, that's what I aim to have in my life. I want to get wined and dined. And I want to be followed around by somebody who is concerned about the moisture impacting my hair. Okay? I want umbrella over my head. You know, and I even moisture... Sun protection, everything. Umbrella man. I want an umbrella man. Um, Candy tells them that they're going to go look at Todd's Jersey condo. And like, doesn't really explain well what they're going to try to do with the condo. Like even Candy, when she's talking about like, yeah, we're going to go to the condo in Jersey. Like, it's like her explanation of why they're going seems like maybe she's either she doesn't care or even she is confused about what the assignment is just as we are like she she begrudgingly tells them that this is gonna happen anyway they get to new york they get to the hotel they have a little rooftop snack and then there's a competition to win the suite and the competition is best sex story and these these ladies are just lying Everybody's just lying. Marlo's the first one to go, and she talks about zoo animals. She talks about a giraffe. And then after that, everybody's like, all right, we're just going to incorporate 
animals to the story. It's Noah's Ark up in this bitch, okay? And we are just rolling in as many animals as possible. Ralph tells a tall tale about fucking next to whales. <laughs> it's clearly bullshit. Um, Sonia has been on the my, is part of the Mile High Club, and Sheree had sex in broad daylight at the Ritz Carlton in Miami. Good for you. Honestly, if I had all any of those people's bodies, I think I would also be having sex. And I would I I would be dressing like safari. Okay. Um, Kenya tells a wild story about coyote blood. I mean, the story was so crazy because there were so many twists and turns. Like she first starts with talking about this guy was a hunter and we were hunting coyote. And then she explains why they were hunting coyotes. She's like, you go, because they bother people. What? <laughs> what we didn't need all that there was so much extra stuff there was like a a cavernous cave or something like that i don't know it was just it was such a it was such a national geographic um meets skinamax story that i i was i was with candy you win just for the uh twists and turns everyone's getting glam for dinner and <laughs> A trip to New Jersey for that corny condo viewing. Marla says she has no interest in wearing anything buzzy on her lady lady thing. And I believe you. And I'm with you, Marlo. Drew and Ralph have decided to make Sheree the bad guy for no reasons at all. I don't understand. They're sitting in their hotel room and they start to talk about Sheree. And they're talking about the the rumors that they think that Sheree spread. And they're just so corny. Like, I have to say, even like Ralph, the way he he moves like Joe Gorka. He moves like Joe Gorga and I hate it. And Drew is kind of like Melissa in that she's boring. She is. Um, they get dressed up and they drive from, I cannot stress this enough, they drive from Midtown, Midtown Manhattan, through the George Washington Bridge to New Jersey to see this corny condo. Guys, this is not an easy trip. Like, and and this is, I'm assuming, is it a weekend? I don't think it's a weekend. I don't know what day it is, but this is not an easy trip. They had to take the Harlem River Drive or whatever to go, or maybe the West Side Highway. I'm not sure. But this is not convenient. You don't stay at a hotel on Lexington and then go take the George Washington Bridge to Fort Lee? Again, nothing but love for my garden state, but this is not the move. It's just ridiculous. Candy, I'm again with Candy. Candy says this is inconvenient and stupid. And Todd, like Todd goes into this thing on the ride over because the ride itself is so long. He goes on and on about how, like, you know, living in Candy's shadows and all this stuff. And, you know, he has this like Eeyore way of talking. And it's so ridiculous because, again, I'm not sure what the purpose is. Todd, if you want to keep that condo and use it for whatever reason, then by all means, my dude, go ahead and do it. Why are you taking Candy and all of her friends on this trip to the condo? Is this like a timeshare situation? Are they going to fix it up and everybody's going to pay a little bit and own a little bit at a time and everyone's going to have a schedule of when that apartment's going to get used? Why is everybody being brought along this ride? I do not understand. If you want to keep that condo and Candy's name isn't even on it, then what does it matter 
to you if Candy cares or not. He starts to talk about how this is his own thing. This is the first time he's doing a thing for himself. And so are you basically trying to say this is the first time I've had a storyline? Is that is that what it is? Is that what this is? Then just say that, okay? He tries to talk about some insane hypothetical about, oh, you know, what if I get at my shit blows up, blah, blah, blah. You're never going to get as famous as Candy, Todd. Sure, I don't doubt that there are times that you feel like I need to do my own thing because I can't just be Candy's lapdog or Candy's whatever, her side man, her second in command. You want to be your own person, that's fine. You know what? A great way to be your own person is take that condo that's in your name, flip it with your own money, Todd, your own money, give it to your grown-ass daughter, and leave your wife out of it. She doesn't care. She doesn't care about this condo. And you're never going to be again as famous as Candy. So the hypothetical is just corny and pointless. Anyway, they get to this condo in Fort Lee. And I just need to talk about Fort Lee. Fort Lee is not a fairy town. It is not a subway. There's no trains. Okay. There's no ferries. Yes, it's next to the city and you have a nice view. But by no means is Fort Lee like a town that is convenient for like commuters. Like maybe it is, but it's a it's a bus town, okay? And there is a lot of feelings in the state of New Jersey about bus towns, okay? You don't want to live in a bus town if you're a city city person. If you work in the city and you live in New York in New Jersey, the buses in the words of Mia Thornton, that's low budget, if you will. I'm just being like a classist piece of shit. I recognize that. But my point is, for regular folks like me and you, fine. But Candy Burris? Candy No Scrubs Burris? No way. This is this is a busted-ass condo. And everybody's like, ooh, the rooftop. I'm sorry, that rooftop was, what, 25 square feet? How many, how many, how many... And Kenya's trying to put an elevator in there. She's like, no problem. We'll put an elevator. An elevator? That's That costs money. How do you just put an elevator inside of an apartment building? What? Anyway, Kenya does her whole HGTV thing. And I got to say, I was interested. I love, I love pretending to that I have money to fix things up. I love to go into a space and be like, yeah, this wall down fireplace here, open ceilings, show me the beams, all that stuff. I love doing it. So I was enjoying watching Kenya do that as well. My favorite here was Marlo because she was like, yeah, this is fine, but this is low budget. (laughs) You know, Marlo was like, I cannot believe I could have been having sex with another old man. (laughs) Okay, maybe not sex. Giving company to an old man and making coins making my collection of La Archive bigger. And instead, I'm here in this corny condo with Todd. Todd. Todd says something about wanting to leave behind, leave the place behind for the kids. He's like, I want to leave something behind for my kids. Your wife is a multi-billionaire. <laughs> um, your kids are covered. Is it you're worried about your daughter? Is that what it is? Yeah. Fix up the apartment. And then go and give it to your daughter. And let me tell you something. Her kids don't want to live there. Her daughter goes to school in New York. 
She does not want to live in Fort Lee. It is not convenient. It is not. Look, I will retire in Fort Lee one day. That's not even a lie. My husband and I cannot wait for the day their kids are done with high school. We can stop paying property taxes here. We'll sell our house. We'll get a city condo and a beach condo. And that's how we're going to live. And where we can probably live would be Fort Lee because it would likely be affordable. But again, I'm not a millionaire. Okay? I'm not. And I guess apparently neither is Todd because I don't understand why he won't just fix it up and give it to his daughter or whoever and leave Candy alone. It doesn't make any sense. They go to dinner in Jersey and I will say uh, San Cubano is delicious. Okay? The restaurant is 10 out of 10. They ask, uh, Sonia asks Drew and Candy why they're not wearing her wedding rings. And again, Drew says too much. (laughs) She says it was the weight and the babies. And then she says after the weight came off, we had some issues. So I've not been wearing it. And Drew just, Drew loves to give some long-winded answers nobody asked for. No one asked for that much detail, ma'am. No one asked for it. She shares with a group about this 30-day contract with the council. And again, like, I don't know if that needed to be shared with the group. I'm glad it was because, again, content. But when she shares that, everybody's like, good luck. (laughs) Candy says, you're going to be playing this game for the rest of your life into eternity. (laughs) Ralph starts to talk about the assistant stuff. And, like, again, like, it's just so pompous. He's so pompous and arrogant. Ralph says, how long does it usually take to get over stuff for women? And everyone's like, it takes time. And as usual, like, Ralph just talks too much and Kenya clocks him. She clocks his bullshit. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but also on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, Kenya was like, I feel really bad for the shit that that Mark, that Ralph is doing to Drew. It was very hard for her to watch. And we get, obviously, the comparison between Mark and Ralph and the original Gaslight Theater was Mark. I have to say, I didn't really watch the season where Mark was on because I think that I found him very upsetting. Um, And he gave people who wear nose rings a bad name, like myself. Um, Basically, Ralph and Drew start going at it again. And Ralph is gaslighting her and Kenya clocks him for it. And of course, he tries to gaslight Kenya. He laughs and he's so dismissive. He's like, so anyway, Todd, what were you going to say? It's so fucked up. And I'm like, good, good for Kenya for clocking him. But then suddenly the table, I guess because of Marlo, they all are like, well, Drew, he does what you allow him to do. And everybody's like, yeah, he also treats you this way because you probably let him. I don't know, guys. (laughs) I was, I found that to be some very problematic messaging. I did not like that. I was like, we're not, we're not doing that, are we? But they all make a point that Drew doesn't let go of things and she never admits that she's wrong. And they bring up Sheree's assistant drama. And then Sheree shares a text message and it's very confusing. So they bring up the assistant drama and again, Drew is like, no, 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 it's fine because I don't know what Anthony, uh, she again tries to act like it was Sheree who said stuff about Ralph. Again, she tries to do that and everybody has to be like, no, remember, stupid, it was Anthony, your assistant. And then she's like, well, I don't have proof that Anthony said anything. And then Sheree shows a text message that I didn't understand. I was not quite sure what the proof was. I said, I don't know. Also, 
Shrey talks very fast, and then they did usually they do a thing where they like pause and they show you the text message and then they zoom in. But they didn't do that. It was very fast. But I didn't understand because basically where that left off was Ralph finding out that Anthony said this about uh, him. And I think what's going to be interesting is now in this household where you have hundreds and hundreds of assistants that Ralph had to get rid of his assistant for good reason. Um, that now uh, Drew's going to have to get rid of her assistant for good reason. But I don't know if Drew like just didn't tell Ralph about it. But you know what? I can't wait to see this unfold. The only benefit I like of watching Drew and Ralph is that Drew really thinks that she has a leg to stand on when she fights with the other women. And it's similar to when Ralph thinks that he has a leg to stand on when he fights with Drew. Like, Ralph doesn't have a leg to stand on, but he tries to gaslight her into being to being on his side. And Drew tries to use those same exact tactics with the women, and it doesn't work because they're too smart. <laughs> I loved it, though. I loved it. Um, next, uh, let's talk about Love Match Atlanta. Um, I don't know if you're not watching this show, but you should because it's lovely. It's great. It's great because people will walk in with props and ready to fight and throw hands. And they are all so thirsty for camera time that like nobody's actually going to leave filming. You know, again, I really enjoy it. This is like a different reason for wanting to stick around to film uh, than Atlanta. But um, I just I still really appreciate it. Everybody is clocking in. Okay. Uh, On this episode, we find out that the duos are going to be. Uh, working possibly with Shay, but Kelly is a little bit scared because Shay is obviously a matchmaker herself and she's been burned from Joseph and Paris. Speaking of Joseph and Paris, Shay tells us some tea about Joseph and Paris that they break up and make up all the time and Joseph has gone through multiple women as his partners and whenever he gets a new girlfriend, he makes them a part of the business. And we also see their relationship, Joseph and Paris, as they, we see them on a date, and we basically find out that there are no boundaries between business and pleasure, if you will. That's unhealthy. Um, Joseph and uh, Shay <laughs> have a meetup, and Shay comes in. I mean, she came in prepared. She came in prepared, and it seemed like the bar that they were at was also prepared. There was a bartender who was very sassy and very funny, but Shay brings Sage with her. And she lights it as soon as Joseph starts to turn up. And the bartender is like, what is that smell? And she's like, it's that, I think it's that Jamaican lady over there. And she's, they're like, yeah, I don't mind it. Like, it just, it's so funny. Uh, But Shay and Joseph, what's great about this meetup is that Shay, like, they kind of squabble. And then Joseph leaves. And then he comes back because he's like, I need to film to get this paycheck. So I'm going to stick around. You know, it's like because they're all presenting their businesses on a TV show, it's kind of like it's kind of like million dollar listing back in the day, except less fake. Like these people know that being on TV is going to be amazing for their business. So they need to stick it out even when people are being shady and messy, you know, and I appreciate that. We learn more about Ming and her family. We find out that she has a son who is a pro football player, Carl Lawson. She has a daughter, Caitlin, and she has sort of a blended family. And it's very intriguing because she has a husband who won't film or pick up phone calls while filming. And I love that kind of shit. 
Uh, I love it and I hate it because I hate it in real life. Like I feel bad for that person that their husband is like this, but I love it for television because I am very nosy and immediately start Googling. Um, Ming makes some comments about like there being so many eligible women in Atlanta, but not suitable men. And it's kind of alluded that she's talking about black men not being suitable. And I was like, that's problematic. But also the name of your company is very problematic. Colorblind International. We find out the rates. Her packages start from $50,000 to $100,000. At $50,000, you get eight matches. Eight matches? And this man who was her client, is he owns like a cruddy dive bar. And I was like, Scott, do you have generational wealth? Where are you getting $50,000 for to be set up with possibly eight people? What are you – how do people have this kind of money, guys? You think he's putting it on credit cards? I don't understand this level of wealth. I don't. I don't. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was just – it's a great episode because it flows well. I really just enjoy how, like, chill and laid back it is. It's a great, like, you know – Take an edible, like, lounge, enjoy yourself, and watch the show. It's just really fun. And everybody is equally thirsty and equally uh, invested um, and messy and silly and kind of, like, almost ready to make fun of themselves. I just really enjoyed it. I did. I did. Um, That's it for this episode. Sorry that it started off with such a bummer, but uh, things need to be said. And will likely keep being said. I don't know what that means. But, you know, again, I always try to hope that this brings some joy to a very dark time, if possible. Um, So hopefully for the last 35 minutes or so, I helped you unplug and think about just silly shit. Silly shit. That's That's all we can do is sometimes focus on silly shit hug all of our little humans and our big humans and, you know, try not to fight with each other so much and just be nice to each other and uh, write to our lawmakers to fucking do something about gun control. How about that? That's it for this week. I will talk to you guys on Saturday about Lord knows what, but stay safe. Bye, everyone.